0: I am really glad to be up this morning uh, teaching in this series that we're doing called Strong in the Broken Places, uh, mainly because I'm tired of Darren messing in my junk every Sunday. You with me on that? So uh, that wasn't much of a trade off because I just made God mess with me all week while I was getting this message together, so I'm kind of weighing that out. But if you've been with us in this series, this is the sixth Sunday. That we've been talking about this using the 12 steps as a model for us, a pathway for growth, no matter what our issue is that we're dealing with. And ever since I first encountered the 12 steps, began to learn about them, practice them 20, 25 years ago, what I've realized is that along the way in this journey, we hit some struggles. They're fairly predictable struggles. One of the first ones is, is we're just entering the process we get a little impatient we want the change to happen really quickly and so we're tempted to take two or three of the steps and put them together or even to skip some of the steps i've actually heard people say what i want to do is i want to go straight to this step because this is an action step right well here's the interesting news all 12 of them are action steps Every one of the steps has something important to offer to us in the journey. Everyone plays a crucial role in restoring us to physical, emotional, and spiritual health. The 12 steps help us see through the illusions that we've created in our lives, to fool us and to fool others. Helps us deal with unresolved issues from our past. And it helps us make conscious, good decisions every day. Above all, they help us recognize what our true source of strength and support and guidance needs to be in our lives. The second struggle that comes after we deal with the impatience one usually hits around step 10, which is where we are today. By this point, we've experienced some kind of success, some kind of progress, some kind of growth. And as life becomes more comfortable, sadly, It's very easy for us to forget the work that we've done to get to that place. It's really easy to get distracted. It's really easy to forget because the pain that drove us into this in the first place has in some way been alleviated. We think things are fine. We think things are better. And we convince ourselves that we can continue to grow and heal without a daily check-in with God or a daily examination of what's going on our lives step 10 is a bridge we've recognized the hunger in our souls we've gotten a taste of what life can be if we do the work step 10 lays the foundation for the rest of our lives it makes it possible for us not just to maintain the progress we've already had but continue to grow and it's a simple step to read. It's tougher to do. And it says this. We will continue to take a personal inventory. And when wrong, admit it. That simple practice demands that when my issues raise their ugly head, and they will, come up again. When it happens, I'm going to deal with them promptly. I'm not going to let this linger. I'm going to own it. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to move on. It helps us realize the simple truth that if we take the trash out every day, it'll keep our house from stinking. All right, so as we move into step 10 this morning, we're turning a corner in this whole recovery process. We've had some successes and we've had some struggles if we've done the work in steps one through nine. We've had some setbacks even while we deal with our issues. But at this point in our growth, the questions start to get a little bit different that we ask. Before, when we entered the process, we used to throw our hands up and said, how in the world am I going to get out of this mess that I've made of my life? By the time we get to step 10, the questions can change a little bit too. I'm seeing some good things. How do I keep living a healthy life now that I'm healing from the mess? And that healthy life comes as we live out those first nine steps every single day. In fact, that's what steps 10, 11, and 12 teach us to do. The last three steps, if you will, are kind of a mashup of the first nine and all the work that we've done to this point. And they create this doable, healthy, daily practice for us that leads to growth. Now, I know what some of you think because I think the same way. So when I hear that these last three are a mash-up of the first nine, what I want to do is just go, okay, fine, I'll start at step 10, right? Cut to the chase. Do, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. All the hard work that we do in those first nine steps help us to see our issues in all of their ugliness. It causes us to realize we really are powerless to do this on our own, because we've tried and we've failed A lot. We can't make the changes on our own. And then we talk to somebody and we lay out the ugliness in our lives. And when necessary, make amends. That humbles us. We come clean. And all along the way, in steps one through nine, we establish these anchor points that keep us rock solid for the future. Step 10 breaks down into three very necessary things we have to do on a daily basis, and it starts with, we'll continue to take a personal inventory. Now if, if you remember, that was what step four was all about, this fearless and searching moral inventory of our lives. In that step, we fully examined our attitudes and our behaviors. We asked the hard questions like, who have I hurt? Who have I wronged? There are a lot of you in the room that know just how tough that step is. It can take months or years to get to the place where we can do that inventory in a way that's fearless and absolutely authentic. And amazingly, now, Step 10 says, we're going to do that every day. That was so fun. But here's the deal. We do it every day. We're not letting the junk build up in our lives. Hopefully, by doing it daily... The list is shorter, cleaner, simpler. Hopefully, it's more hopeful than condemning. Now, Jesus didn't call it a daily inventory, but he did stress the importance of us knowing our tendencies, knowing our weaknesses really well, and we've all got them. Jesus said, stay alert, be in prayer, so you don't enter the danger zone without even knowing it. Don't be naive. Part of you is eager, ready for anything in God. But there's another part of you that's as lazy as an old dog laying by the fire. Anybody relate to that? It's just the way life is. Part of us is hungry for what God wants us to do. Part of us is so lazy we don't want to do the work to get there. Paul said it this way. Test yourselves. Make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't just drift along in life, taking everything for granted, Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not just hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. And if you fail the test, do something about it. Drifting along without checkups in our lives is just not smart. It's dangerous to do. Because nobody in the history of mankind has ever drifted into better habits, better behaviors better disciplines and practices in their life i don't know anybody that ever woke up in the morning looked in the mirror and went oh my gosh i'm ripped how did that happen right it's the same for us spiritually as it is physically we have to do the work unchecked we drift back into comfortable old habits Comfortable old relationships that will take us places we know we shouldn't go. That's why one modern philosopher said, you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> See, now I know you well enough to know you're going to remember that more than you remember Jesus or Paul, right? <laughs> Whatever works. Uh, that came straight off my Spotify rap playlist. Um, Not true. All right. So we have to pay attention to our actions, to the trajectory of our life. We have to make course corrections sooner rather than later, and this helps us do that. If you've been around for the whole series or if you're familiar with the 12 steps, you know that at various points, you're asked to make a list. This is a list. You're going to take the time to honestly think through how you're doing in your growth. For most of us, when we do that, it's a lot easier to identify the things that we're doing wrong than it is to see what we've done right. And if we're not careful, this daily checkup can degenerate into a place where we're just beating ourselves up every day for the things that we've done wrong. when We've had a bad day or a string of days or a bad week. We don't need to do this inventory to prove to ourselves that we're constantly hurting people and screwing up our lives. You know that if we've done the first nine steps well. Doing a daily checkup helps us to recognize when we've gotten off course so we can get back on track, but it also helps us see where we're making progress and celebrate it when we get it right. So once a day. I don't care if you do it in the evening when the day is over or if you find yourself falling asleep and you go, I do better in the morning when I'm waking up. Once a day, think through, examine our lives is what this calls us to do. And ask yourself some honest questions like, what have I been doing well? Start there because that's usually the hardest for us to identify. What have I done poorly and importantly? What do I need to do? about that and then ask yourself too are there any warning signs popping up to tell me that i'm headed for trouble or i'm already there some of you may want to grab a notebook just to keep it in you know it's helpful to write things down like this because down the road you can look at it and you can see the progress you've made over the weeks and months as you're doing this Writing it out is a very helpful part of the daily inventory. So important to us because our old life is, with all of its denial and delusion, is sometimes just one bad decision away. And as we begin to think through and we begin to see our life as it is, we're going to come across places where we were wrong. Now, in most cases... It's not that hard to discern where we were wrong. A good indicator is when we start doing this inventory and we notice that we're rationalizing something that we've done in the day or we're justifying something we've done in the day. Or we do this inventory and we spot places where we lost our temper or places we're holding on to resentment or manipulating or using people or lying to people. Those are good indicators something's not right. It's really easy for me to spot One of my primary things that I struggle with. I struggle with control issues. I just, it's hard for me. I just have this ordered mind that says that people and things should be where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. Right? You're making me feel really lonely up here. (laughs) The key for me is they should be there when I think they should be there. It's not even about the schedule. They should show up early, because that's what, it's just the right thing to do. And and when I think that's not happening, or when I think the outcome of whatever's happening is in jeopardy, my control issues pop up. (laughs) We all know our tendencies, right? Mine's control. You know what yours is, right? Don't make me pull Darren's list out and read it again. You know what your issues are, right? Some of you got so many issues, they've canceled your subscription. We know. We know the places we get sideways with God and with each other. And when we make those messes throughout the day, a lot of the time we carry it with us, this gnawing feeling in our gut that we know we've done something wrong. That gnawing feeling is the Holy Spirit reminding you. God's Holy Spirit pointing out, could have made a different decision. There were other options. You could have done that differently. Now, sometimes it is tough to recognize when we're wrong. It's not always easy. Something in me wants to get defensive about my mistakes. You do too. We want to blame our circumstances for what we did or said. We want to blame other people. Sometimes deep down, if I'm honest, I just want to nurse the resentment and find fault. And I can come up with all kinds of elaborate excuses rather than just simply admitting, I was wrong and I hurt you. It's almost a reflex that we develop that we're so able to disguise our bad motives with what we think is a good motive when we describe what we did. We label it constructive criticism that we've handed out when actually all it was was hurtful and mean. We justify our actions, saying they just needed to be taught a lesson, when really what was inside of us and driving us was we just wanted to punish them for what they did. We start building all of these phrases, excuses, and what they betray is this subtle and elusive type of self-righteousness that can underlie all of our thoughts and actions. We justify and rationalize our mistakes. What we're really saying is, "I'm always right." And my problems will end when everybody else changes their behavior. Be easier that way. not going to happen. And that can sound really good in our heads the way we phrase it, but that's the truth. And it sounds really ugly when we say it. If we can lean into and learn this practice. It can be a relief valve for us. While the day's events are still fresh in our mind, we list them out. And we don't try to rationalize or justify anything we did. We don't pick it apart. We just take some time and look at what we've done this day honestly and asking God to guide us in that. We take the good and the bad. It gives us a bit of a roadmap for how we're doing in the journey. Now, I've been teaching here for eight or nine years, so it's really hard for me to remember whether I've told you a story or not. So my apologies if I've already told you this one. But when our kids were little, we took this trip. It was a moment of temporary insanity. We decided with two little kids to go on a road trip, 3,000 miles in two weeks. We were going to Denver, and we were going to Rapid City, South Dakota, and then we were driving through that northernmost part of the Midwest that nobody ever wants to live in to get home southern Indiana. Um, We also decided to go that route in the middle of July. Not our best decision. But we knew with two little kids in the car and tackling 3,000 miles in a minivan with McDonald's, there were going to be some questions they would ask. There was one specifically that would show up for the kids within 30 minutes of leaving home. You know the question, right? Are we there yet? (laughs) Followed closely by, where's the next bathroom? So what we did in a moment of genius, one of the few we've had as parents, we took a map of the United States and we photocopied it. We took little stick-on stars and put them where we lived in southern Indiana. We put one in Denver, one in Rapid City, and we kind of highlighted the route that we thought we would take. And so 30 minutes down the road, one of the kids said, are we there yet? And we Pulled out the maps. We said, okay, here's where we started. Here's where we're going. Figure out how far we've come in the journey. This daily examine does that for us relationally and spiritually. Some of us are just tempted to be way too hard on ourselves and think we haven't made any progress. Others are not hard enough and we think we've already arrived and we've barely left the house. It gives us this marker along the way to say, I'm not what I once was, I'm not what I ought to become, but I'm making progress. What it can also show us is if we've gotten off course somewhere and we're heading to Duluth instead of Denver, it helps us have this roadmap for our progress. And as we do that and we discover that we're wrong, we need to admit it, not justify it, not explain it away. Sometimes it's enough in this process to just admit it to God. Just confess it to God. And it's not done in a shaming or blaming way. It's just part of this continued, ongoing growth of trying to have God remove from us all of the character defects that we find. We give it to Him. It's helpful even as you start this daily exam to pray David's prayer when he wrote, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I am amazed when I pray that prayer how quickly God answers it. Points out the offensive ways in me. Points out the stray thoughts, the anxious thoughts. At other points, we'll uncover something and it's not enough to just confess it to God. We know that we've hurt people deeply and we have to go back and apologize. We have to make amends. And I would just encourage you that whatever point in your day that the Holy Spirit nudges you and says you've got that work to do, write it down. I don't care if you put it on your phone. As a reminder, you put it on your tablet. I don't care if you write a post-it note and stick it to your forehead. Write it down. Because Here's what's true about us. We shy away from this hard relational work. We want to skate by without doing it. And sometimes, honestly, we just forget those thoughts that the Holy Spirit puts in our mind. It's tough to admit we're wrong. It's tough to ask someone to forgive us. It's so hard to do the right thing. But the good news is, once we've done this daily inventory for a while, once we've admitted our wrongs and asked forgiveness for a while, we get to a place where we can recognize those troubling situations in the moment before we get out of control. It helps us avoid that quick-tempered, critical comment that wants to come. It helps us avoid powering up in the middle of an argument. And for some of you, that's not your tendency, but it'll also help you avoid shutting down and going away and sulking, which is just as damaging. Both extremes are booby traps emotionally, and they're baited with pride and vengefulness. When we're tempted by the bait, we have to avoid it. We have to step back. It's a great place that we learn to just do a quick checkup in the moment. Not wait for the end of the day, but in that moment. Understand, why am I so angry? Why do I feel hurt? Why do I want to take control of the situation? What is it that's really going on inside of me that's got me so agitated? It helps us understand we've got absolute freedom to walk away, cool down, find another way to resolve it, or if we need to in that moment, just stop the whole process and apologize for what we've done to escalate the situation. We begin to live that way. We begin to receive and extend God's grace. We do it knowing every person we encounter, every person, including us, is capable of making mistakes. They're capable of being wrong. Over time, we learn to extend grace and forgive. Learn to admit when the fault's ours and forgive when the fault lies elsewhere. It's not easy work. Paul encourages us in this work when he says, there's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. On the very day that Jesus Christ appears. No doubt. God's gonna keep working in you. Recovery, for me, I've learned, is a journey, not a destination. And that journey will only end when this life is over and we stand in the presence of Jesus. Until then, we've all got some work to do. We've made progress, we've grown. But the battle's not over. And if we're hungry for that kind of deep and lasting change in our life, we have to be willing to pay the price in authenticity, in vulnerability, in humility, in honesty. We have to be willing to clean up the messes that we make in our life every day. We have to be willing to do this just one day at a time. We don't have to start planning for 30 years of this. We just do it today. Today, we continue to lay our whole lives before God to walk with him today so that he can continue to heal us.